Hi, I'm Mike Kozer, and welcome to the Lost Ballparks Podcast. Join us now for another Brooklyn ball game here at Ebbets Field, Brooklyn, USA. Greetings, baseball fans. This is Mel Allen greeting you from Yankee Stadium in New York City. Hello, everyone, with Bob Prince and Nellie King. This is Gene Osbert speaking to you from Forbes Field in Pittsburgh. Well, friends, here we are back at the Polo Grounds in New York City. We're underway in the first of a twilight doubleheader at Tiger Stadium. And it's baseball here at Crosley Field. Just the start of things. So pull up a comfortable chair. If you want to take your shoes off, go ahead. Wiggle your toes, and we hope you'll have a cold shave for it throughout the evening. My guests today are Gene Fruth and Jeff Idelson. Gene is an incredible sports photographer, having worked for the Oakland A's, the San Francisco Giants, and the Baseball Hall of Fame. Jeff is the former president of the Baseball Hall of Fame, having served at the Hall for 25 years. Gene's got a brand new book out. It's called Grassroots Baseball, Route 66, that's available right now at grassrootsbaseball.org. By the way, there's a direct link in the podcast notes of this episode to check that book out. This new book from Gene is a celebration and illumination of America's pastime in the small towns and large cities that connect the historic highway. Driving along a wide, smooth highway is something we all enjoy. Route 66 spans over 2,400 miles and crosses eight states. It runs from Chicago to the Pacific Ocean and Santa Monica, California. There are more than 250 images from Gene in this book, everything from children playing t-ball in rural towns along Route 66 to minor leaguers testing themselves in Midwestern cities and sparkling ball fields by the ocean. Gene Fruth. Hello there. Jeff Idelson. There we go. Thank you both so much for joining us today on the Lost Ballparks podcast. Jeff, I'll start with you. What was it about this book that made it important for you to write the preface? Uh, writing the preface was important for me because uh, I have a long history in baseball and uh, a love of the game that goes back to when I was a tiny little kid, uh, all the way back when I was five years old. And the grassroots game is about that kind of love. And um, I was honored to be able to participate and write the preface and uh, set the tone for how the book is uh, enjoyed. Yeah. And Gene, there are so many great stories in this book about players who started off as local legends in their small towns and communities along Route 66 and who eventually made it to the big leagues and some even the Baseball Hall of Fame, right? Oh, yeah. We have Johnny Bench, George Brett, Jim Tomey, um, and then just some wonderful legends that grew up along the route like Ryan Howard and Adam LaRoche and Billy Hatcher from Arizona and Alex Bregman, a current player from New Mexico. So we have a great mix of retired players, one present player and Hall of Famers who all grew up along Route 66. Gene, you were recognized by Sony as one of its 48 notable artisans of imagery. And I got to tell you, after visiting your website, genefruthimages.com, I can see why I probably spent about 15 minutes just mesmerized by one photograph the one taken outside of AT&T Park in San Francisco, the silhouette of Juan Marichal statue against a beautiful bay sunset backdrop. It just is an incredible photograph. And there's so many like that on your website and in this book. Thank you so much. Yeah, I love that statue. It moved a few times as they were doing construction. And um, yeah, it's one of my favorite statues. They have beautiful statues at, at the ballpark in San Francisco, and they honor their legends in such a lovely way. And by the way, in the podcast notes, we'll put a link to um, Gene's website so you can you can check out some of those photographs that I was talking about. I, and honestly, as I'm looking at these old at these stadium photographs on your website, I wish you were alive and taking shots in the 50s 
I would have loved to have seen what you would have done with, for instance, Ebbets Field, the Polo Grounds, Crosley Field, like the original configuration of Yankee Stadium. And so is there one old ballpark that you wish you could go back and photograph? And if there is, which one would it be? Oh, that's such a good question. I mean, Ebbets Field for sure. Yes, sir. Post is back to bring you the Dodgers again as they take on the New York Giants in the second of this three-game series here at Ebbets Field, Brooklyn, USA. I would, you know, love to have photographed there. I mean, there's so many of those old ballparks. And when I talk to old guys who played there or went there and remember their first game, I am envious. I mean, I'm glad I'm not that old. But, uh, but I mean, and then you see the photographs of Jackie Robinson. Jackie Robinson, the defending batting champion in the league's most valuable player. Jackie Robinson, you know, sliding into home and plays at the plate where the photographer was standing on the field. Right. And, um, oh, yeah, um, I'm very envious that for sure, if I could go back in time, those are the kind of photographs I would love to take and and document those old ballparks. And God, you guys do such a great job. At, at, it makes me really want to be back in time when I see your Instagram and see those old ballparks. I, yeah. I just absolutely love it. If only we had a time machine, you know? And, uh, and Jeff, as former president of the Baseball Hall of Fame, what do you consider the greatest piece of ballpark history currently on display at the Hall of Fame? Is there something in particular that jumps out at you that you think, wow, this is kind of the, this is the one? Well, the, the Hall of Fame has a, an incredible uh, exhibit gallery called Sacred Grounds, which details ballparks going all the way back uh, to the 19th century and talks about how, you know, the, the conversion from wood to steel to brick uh, and where we are today. And uh, the cornerstone from Ebbets Field is certainly dynamic. Uh, that yeah. really gives people a, a feel of what Ebbets Field was like and having that cornerstone is, is, is wonderful. And I'd say also one of the pinwheels from Old Comiskey really gives you a sense of uh, how bright those were and how big they were. Oh, from the exploding scoreboard that uh, Bill Beck. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That was great. Yeah. Is there anything uh, ballpark related that's not currently on display at the Hall of Fame that you hope one day will be? Well, the, the, the Hall of Fame rotates all the time uh, artifacts that are of interest. Uh, we have Ernie Harwell's microphone. Right hander against the right hander. The outfield is straight up and deep on fielder. He is the DH today. Swing. There's a drive to left. That one is long gone. You know, having something from Ernie on display is important. We have the Gunner, Bob Prince's jacket, which, uh, you know, kind of takes you back to old Forbes Field. Uh, but most of what they have is on display. And as you and as, as you walk through, it's it's really sensory overload. It's pretty beautiful. On a hot summer night growing up in Cleveland, we could pick up Ernie Harwell's broadcast from Detroit. And it, listening to him was mesmerizing. Here's the pitch on the way. He swings and fouls it off. It'll reach the seats. Over back of the Tiger dugout, and the man from Walla Walla will take that one home. One of my favorite possessions that I have, and I didn't keep much, but I have a Herb Score scorecard that he signed for me, which will always be near and dear to my heart. I love talking to Herb Score about baseball. Swung on, line by center field, base hit. Here comes Espinosa around third. They throw to home plate, not nearly in time. The Indians win the game. The Indians have won their first World Series game since 1948. So, Gene, let's get back to the book. In the introduction to your book, Grassroots Baseball, Route 66, Johnny Bench talks about watching the Saturday game of the week on his black and white TV with Dizzy Dean doing the play-by-play. With two strikes on him now, friends and neighbors, get this, with two strikes on him and a man on first base, he bunted down the third baseline and beat it out for a hit. 
And at one point, Dizzy Dean introduces Mickey Mantle as being from Commerce, Oklahoma. And at that moment, he asks his dad, you can be from Oklahoma and play in the major leagues? His dad, of course, says yes. And from that day forward, Johnny says in the book that that was his mission. And it's really incredible to think about how many ballplayers that grew up in these small towns tucked in the middle of the country, right? Oh, it's incredible. I mean, that story that Johnny tells and Mickey Mantle being one of his early heroes. And there are so many ballplayers that grew up along Route 66, right in the middle of the country. And we had the opportunity to visit Commerce, Oklahoma, where Mickey Mantle you know, played his early days of baseball in his house uh, and the barn. Um, that his dad and grandfather pitched to him. So he that's how he became a switch hitter. Grandpa would throw on one side and dad would throw on the other. And the original barn and house is still there. And his high school, Commerce High School, the baseball players from uh, from Commerce High School posed in front of the house and barn for me. So that's in the book. And it's chilling going back there and just thinking about like players like Mickey Mantle. Even the water tower in the town has pinstripes and a number seven honoring Mickey Mantle. You know, it's fitting that this book marries the historic highway with our great game of baseball because the road just like the game, has had a way of bringing people together from all different walks of life. Oh, for sure. I mean, Route 66 and baseball, it's both Americana. They connect generations. It's so interesting to, you know, so many people are saying, you know, when is the book coming out? I want to get it for Father's Day. I want to get it for Mother's Day. And the reason being is that Route 66 and baseball, both those things connect generations. When people talk about Route 66, they're like, wow, you're on Route 66. I remember being in the back seat of my station wagon, my parents driving from Chicago to Santa Monica and us stopping all along the way. And they have all these stories, just like they have stories of their first baseball game and being with their dad, keeping score with their mom. And it's just, it's, it's, it's as Americana as it gets. Yeah. And Jeff, like the old lost ballparks of Major League Baseball, each with its own unique style, cast of characters and architecture, so too the towns that dot the map along Route 66 were also their own individual constructs, each a reflection of their local idiosyncrasies. Absolutely. And I think Gene did an incredible job of showing that from chapter to chapter. You know, the game is the same. It's still the 60 feet between the, you know, from home plate to the mound, the 60 feet, six inches and 90 feet between the bases. But the the landscape in the, of those different states and the communities within them is so vastly different. And, uh, you know, whether you're going through, uh, you know, the mountains of Arizona and western New Mexico to it becoming incredibly flat in Texas to uh, the green plush greenery of Missouri and Illinois to the beaches of California. The landscapes are very different. And this book really shows you just how different and how beautiful each of those eight states are. Gene, uh, Hall of Famer Jim Tomey, who we talked about a little bit ago, um, his dad was a foreman for Caterpillar for the company that actually built Route 66. Jim grew up, I think, in Illinois, about 60 some or maybe 60 miles west, the Route 66 Hall of Fame. And in the book, he talks about after Little League games, going to get ice cream at the Dream Hut in Bartonville. It's still there, by the way. And I, listen, I that resonated with me because I can vividly remember those days as a kid. I was thinking about the post-game snacker ice cream 
while I was putting on my uniform in the morning, long before we even <laughs> left for the ball field. And that's the memories. You know, they don't remember really if they won or lost the game. I mean, they remember these memories of going to the ice cream shop, of the memories of being with their buddies, their mom taking the whole team, you know, after the game. And it is, it's a kind of bringing you back in time to the to the memories of the grassroots stage, you know, when it's just the love of the game of baseball. And, and Jim, I mean, he, nobody loves the game more than him. So him remembering those early days with his dad and growing up along Route 66, it's so heartfelt. So I love those stories before their major league days. And in the book, Jim talks about being a Cubs fan, watching games uh, on WGN. Harry Carey and Steve Stone, we're at Wrigley Field, hoping that this game will get on the way. He loved Dave Kingman. And, and Gene, what is the story in the book about him hopping over the brick wall and uh, at Wrigley Field looking for Dave Kingman? I want Jeff to tell that one because we had such great conversations about it. So, Jeff, I'm going to let you ju- chime in on this one. Yeah, yeah. One of your favorites. Oh, it's unbelievable. I mean, you can imagine this. I mean, here's Jim and his dad going to Wrigley Field, driving up from Peoria. And you can just imagine this wide-eyed eight-year-old you know, thinking about his hero, Dave Kingman, this, you know, incredible home run hitter. He had read or uh, or learned on WGN that Kingman lived on a houseboat. So, you know, they're driving along Lakeshore Drive and and little Jim is asking his dad, Chuck, is that the boat? Is that the boat? And, you know, Chuck's <laughs> like, let's just get to the ballpark. They get to the ballpark and they're sitting in the seats and Jim disappears down to the, you know, the brick wall by the dugout because he wants to get Dave Kingman's autograph. And right. in that era, you know, the kids could go down. He sees Kingman coming off the field. Kingman bypasses the, you know, the kids. So little Jimmy, and probably the last time he was little, you know, he scales this wall and, and decides he's going to take himself into the dugout. You know, he, he jumps <laughs> into the dugout and uh, looking for Dave Kingman and doesn't get the autograph. And, and there was a, a player in there who wondered what this kid was doing. I think it was Barry Foote. You're right. It was Barry Foote. So Barry Foote, you know, the catcher picks up Jim Tomey and brings him over and says to you know, a guy that looks like a guy pulling his hair out, who's Jim's dad and says, is this your kid? And Chuck <laughs> says, that's my kid. Oh my gosh. It's one of the best stories of the book. I love that so much. Uh, Jeff, there are a lot of uh, pieces of memorabilia tied to Wrigley Field at the Baseball Hall of Fame. Harry Carey, known for his exclamation, holy cow. Holy was also known for his oversized dark rim glasses. They're on display. And then there's also, I think, a microphone used by Pat Piper, who was Wrigley Field's announcer from 1916 to the mid-70s. Yeah, you're right. That microphone is there, which is great because it's so old school. And, you know, for people today that are used to a lob or a headset, this is neither of the above. And then with Harry, when he passed away, you know, thinking about how do we memorialize him in Cooperstown, obviously the glasses... uh, you know, or what, or what defined him. And so I reached out to Dutchie, his widow, who I knew very well and uh, had a good conversation with her. And she said, you know what, Harry, Harry had two pairs of glasses. So I'm going to bury him in one pair and you guys can have the other. The other nice note with that too, when you come full forward uh, up to present is that uh, we have the number uh, from the scoreboard at Wrigley in Cooperstown from when Sammy Sosa hit a 62nd home run. So a lot of everything there and uh, the glasses from, uh, Harry Carey certainly are really well-defined. So, Gene, in the book, at Lafayette Park in St. Louis on Saturdays, when the snow has disappeared, ball clubs, fiercely devoted to playing the game the way it used to be, show up in their old-timey uniforms, which have to be blazing hot, by the way, in in the St. Louis sun, especially in the middle of the summer. (laughs) But they've got no gloves, and the pitcher throws from 15 yards away. And uh, your photographs in this book perfectly capture the joy of these Saturday afternoons remembering the past. 
Oh, and those guys, I had such a great experience and I'm, I want to spend more time uh, documenting them because, and I love all that vintage baseball because they do, they take it so seriously. The rules are very important to them. I mean, a lot of the guys who are playing, they're, they're historians of the game. So the game means so much to them, you know, the game back then and today's game. And it's really just a joy to watch, you know, them reenact the way the game used to be played. And, and they also have a lot of fun afterwards. You know, there's a lot of back and forth and there's a great rivalry between different teams. And, and you're right, it is pretty hot wearing those wool uniforms. Oh my and, gosh, uh, I, can't, I can't imagine they're so thick. And not to mention, there's got to be a lot of Advil afterwards because they play hard. You know, you see these oh, yeah. guys going at it and I think, wow, that's got to hurt later on. But at the time, I don't think they even think about it. They're just going, they're going all out. There's a part of Route 66 that's about 13 miles long through Kansas. It's uh, this short stretch filled with a long, rich history. Uh, you pass right through where Jesse James robbed a bank in 1876 and nearly, I think, 60 years later where Bonnie and Clyde did the same. Former big leaguer Adam LaRoche, who grew up in Fort Scott, wrote the essay on your Kansas chapter. His dad was, I think, a player and a coach. So from a young age, Adam was at ballparks all over the country, spending time in the batting cage with guys like Carlton Fisk and Tim Raines and Ken Griffey Sr. He must have been a sponge because he said in the book that he learned quickly from being around those guys which ones he wanted to be like and which ones he didn't. Yeah, Adam LaRoche is a, is a guy who loves the game and he's somebody who really gives back to the game and gives back to the grassroots game in such a big way. It was just a pleasure to include him in this book. And I was so glad that Route 66 went through Kansas, even though just for a few miles, because including uh, Adam really made the book um, so much better. Just he has a field uh, for kids to play. He gives back in so many ways and in such a proud way, not only to his kids, but to communities of kids. Um, and Kansas overall, just as a state and all the places that we visited, like Baxter Springs, there are so many volunteers, you know, guys who we have a guy who took care of one of the pictures in the book. A guy who's been um, taking care of the field for over 50 years, has dedicated himself to Little League. He's been in all different positions throughout the year. And on top of it, he's the town barber. Wow. You don't see that on, you know, on the East Coast or West Coast or in bigger cities. Only in rural towns, you know, do you get to see this kind of Americana. And it's um, it's heartwarming. And Jeff, do you remember the story in the book that Adam shares about uh, Sammy Sosa and the clubhouse at Comiskey Park? Oh, yeah. I mean, that, that's just, uh, you know, it's such great insider for him to be in there playing tape ball and all with his brothers. And uh, you can imagine what it's like being, you know, being a kid and really understanding like, oh, my God, I'm actually playing with these larger than life players. And then he then he ends up being on the same diamond. So it's pretty wild. There's a photograph, Gene, by the way, in your book of two kids fishing still fully clothed in their Little League uniforms from their game earlier in the day. That made me laugh because my games were usually on Saturday. And by Sunday morning, when our family was headed out to church, I was still wearing my clay-stained, ice cream, pizza-stained uniform. <laughs> I mean, you had to pry it off of me. And so that picture perfectly captures that. Oh, I mean, some of these kids, it's so fun to see them. I and mean, they'll show up in full catcher's gear to the game. You know, they, they must have had it on or slept in it the night before. And right. so keeping it on for the day and also reminiscent of Adam's early days. I mean, he talks about in the book, you know, fishing um, after games and, and just the joy of Saturday and Sunday and what that was like. So, 
Yeah, I mean, and that still goes on today. These kids wear their uniform and um, we have kids getting their hair cut in their uniform. And, and it is it's it's part of it's part of the life of, of growing up playing baseball. When a kid from a small town goes from Little League to the big leagues, he returns to that small town an immortal. Uh, five years after Johnny Bench graduated from high school and after he won his first NL MVP, the town of Binger, uh, 20 miles south of Route 66, had him come home so they could throw a parade for him. Jeff, can you tell the story of what happened that day? I can imagine again, you know, Cooperstown, kind of similar. It's a town of 1800. So when Johnny was telling that story, it was really resonating. Although his town is a third the size. I think Binger's about 620, uh, give or take. And you know, yeah. So he he comes home and he's he's in this parade and uh, there's a parade coming into Binger and he's in the car and you know driving down Main Street Binger and as Jean can tell you, she's been there a bunch of times. But Main Street Binger is you know you can hold your breath. It's pretty short. It's a crossroad and they're going through town and then they realize that uh, everybody is in the parade and there are no spectators. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, like he was totally shocked. He's like, "Where is everybody? Oh, everybody's in the parade." And Johnny is such a hometown hero, not only in Binger but for certainly all of Oklahoma, we spent some time with him. I spent some time with him in Binger, Oklahoma. And when, you know, he comes and he does, he, he spends a lot of time going back to Binger, all of his friends, his high school friends. I went to his high school reunion with him a few years back and it was just terrific to see. And he's got the Johnny Bench Museum there and his gold gloves and some wonderful artifacts there. And he really continues to give back to the town of Binger and in Oklahoma City, the Oklahoma City Dodgers, we were there with him. And I mean, we just had a full house of folks wanting to meet Johnny in this beautiful statue that honors him in front of the stadium. It's it's just terrific to see. George Brett writes the essay in your book on California, uh, the California section of Route 66. The last stretch of Route 66 takes you right past the Rose Bowl Dodger Stadium and then out to the Santa Monica Pier. Brett grew up in El Segundo uh, near the end of Route 66, and he tells a great story of watching the Dodgers at the L.A. Coliseum. Los Angeles Coliseum, a place that holds a lot of people. It'll hold over 90,000 people. Where the team played while Dodger Stadium was being built. Do you remember what he said about that experience? I do. He and his brothers, Bobby Brett and uh, Kenny Brett and John Brett, they go to see the Dodgers at the Coliseum. They sneak down to the, you know, into the box seats during batting practice to, and the, you know, they wanted to watch and see Frank Howard and here's Frank Howard, you know, chatting with a pair of nuns. So, you know, they run into that and then all of a sudden he realizes, you know, that that's kind of cool. And then he's sitting in center field and yelling for Willie Mays to throw a ball. And it really speaks to what it's like being a kid and going to a ballpark, even for somebody like George Brett. Yeah. I mean, think about that. George Brett out in the center field bleachers trying to get Willie Mays to throw him a ball. And now he's in the Hall of Fame with him. It's incredible. It, it is. And and that's the beauty of Cooperstown. When you see these guys that, you know, came up after their heroes, they're still in awe. I mean, here's George Brett who had 3000 hits. He won three batting titles. He is Mr. Kansas City first ballot, 98 percent. And his knees are buckling in Cooperstown because he's going to finally meet the guy that he kept yelling at to throw him a baseball. I love what actor and comedian Bill Murray said about the book. Uh, he said, quote, Route 66 came out of Chicago. And so did I, along with baseball as I knew it, too. Gene Fruth's photographs put me back in the front seat, right next to my dad, peering over the dashboard at the horizon of my land and my life while listening to the Cubs games on the radio. I don't know if life ever got better and sweeter than that. What a perfect way to sum up the book. It's just absolutely lovely. I had the chance of photographing the um, 
2016 World Series with the Cubs and Indians. And I love all my time at Wrigley Field and you being the ballpark guy, having the uh, places like Wrigley and Fenway to photograph in just still gives me chills. And Bill Murray was at those games and and it was it was so fun to document him there and see his excitement of baseball and um, meet, you know, a lot of Hall of Famers and uh, it was just such a special time. So yeah, I'm just delighted that he participated in the book the way he did. And he does sum it up. A Grassroots Baseball, Route 66 is the name of the book. And if you're a lifelong fan of the game, which I assume you are, if you're listening to this podcast, otherwise you're probably in the wrong place. But if you are, uh, Grassroots Baseball, Route 66 is available now. And again, Gene, the website? Grassrootsbaseball.org. Gene Fru, thank you so much for sharing the warmth of your photographic genius with us. And Jeff, thank you for years of work and service at the Baseball Hall of Fame. Honestly, I get I still get goosebumps every time I walk through. I really appreciate the time uh, today from both of you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And I really appreciate the homework that you did before we got on. It was so impressive. And I, I'm very grateful that you spent the time with the book that you did before you met with us. It was very kind of you. Well, absolutely. The website is just incredible the photographs and i just wish we could if i listen if i can come up with a time travel machine i'm gonna send you back and then you're gonna have some great shots of the polo grounds you know if i could have you like be in the center field bleachers for the 54 world series when willie mays makes that over the shoulder catch that's gonna be a great Uh, shot yeah great hey listen thank you both so much i really appreciate it and uh best of luck with the book i think it's gonna be a hit thank you much appreciated thanks so much all right thank you gene thank you jeff have a great weekend i am gonna go out on a limb here and say that if you follow lost ballparks on instagram twitter or facebook or happen to be listening to this podcast you probably enjoy looking at photographs of ballparks and sports photographs in general. And if that's the case, you'll definitely want to visit Gene's website. There's a link in the podcast notes that will take you directly there. And also a link to pick up Gene's brand new book, Grassroots Baseball, Route 66. If you've been thinking, uh, what do I get dad for Father's Day? Well, this book has got you covered. Trust me, dad is going to love this. And so will anybody else in your life who loves baseball. Special thanks to our producers who make every single episode possible. Mike Dunn, Michael Ortman, Xavier Guerra, and Manny Zaflakis. As always, thank you for supporting the Lost Ballparks podcast. We'll see you next time.